Yes. Sir, what if a writer is attempting to create a story where nothing much happens, where people don't change, they don't have any epiphanies, they struggle and are frustrated and nothing is resolved? More reflection of the real world. The real world? Yes, sir. The real fucking world. First of all, you write a screenplay without conflict or crisis, you'll bore your audience to tears. Secondly, nothing happens in the world? Are you out of your fucking mind? People are murdered every day. There's genocide, war, corruption. Every fucking day, somewhere in the world, somebody sacrifices his life to save somebody else. Every fucking day, someone somewhere takes a conscious decision to destroy someone else. People find love. People lose it. For Christ's sake, a child watches a mother beaten to death on the steps of a church. Someone goes hungry. Somebody else betrays his best friend for a woman. If you can't find that stuff in life, then you, my friend, don't know crap about life. And why the fuck are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? I don't have any use for it. I don't have any bloody use for it. Okay, thanks. Cinema 9 Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Michael Govier, and our hosts are Travis Roy, Eric Brenstrom, and we are here to talk about movies, film, cinema, whatever you want to call it. Travis Roy, what are we going to do today? What's happening? Well, today we're going to talk about uh, awkward moments and um, <laughs> in film and uh, how that has gone down our childhood. Now it could go down for children today. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, my movie choice of the week, which was adaptation from 2002. Very excited. Yeah. I couldn't remember who picked what I am so lost in my own world that I was like, wait, Oh, last week was listener choice. And Travis picked one. Cause this seemed like a movie that Eric would pick. So I got confused for a minute, but no, this was Travis's choice. No. Eric Branstrom. You will be selecting at the end of the show. Very excited to see how that goes. But in the meantime, how's Griffith, Indiana. You know, I spent the day swimming in beautiful Lake Michigan at Indiana Dunes State Park. It was remarkable. <laughs> and I'm relaxed and uh, ready to talk about movies. That's what we're here for. Tender. Very tender moment right there. Mm -hmm. Lake Michigan. 
This is a Cinema 9 podcast, so that means our email probably has our name in it. If it didn't, that would be poor promotional work. Cinema 9 pod <laughs> at protonmail.com. Cinema 9 pod at protonmail.com. Numerical 9, Cinema 9 pod on Instagram. That's where a bulk, the bulk of the action, the bulk of the series takes place on Instagram. Uh, Travis, what have we done this week on Instagram? You know, I'm pretty active on Instagram this week, but as always, when you ask, my mind immediately blanks. Uh-huh. Um, I know that I wrote a review for uh, the film Becky that came out this year, and I was pleased to have one of the directors comment and say thanks for liking it because it was good. And um, then uh, uh-huh. let's see, it was Willem Dafoe's birthday. UHF came out. Uh, <laughs> however many years ago we put all kinds of stuff up there it's reviews birthdays and like us anniversary dates of movies mostly and then you know random shit from us randomshit.com check it out great website remember rotten.com god i was just <laughs> oh, talking yeah. about that the other day like why did that exist why that was uh, all the rage in high school that was all the rage in high school i mean we go to the library that's the first thing we want to do rotten.com <laughs> <laughs> Why, this is why, Beloso. Why, why could we see that shit? Oh, blocks, man. This is the stone age of the internet. There's no yeah. blocks, no firewalls. Like, watch this some, is a free-for-all. Watch some kittens get torn in half and then play some Oregon Trail. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. We're storm. I, remember the, I remember the first time I played Oregon Trail, 1988. Grandview Elementary School. Clarenceville School District. Beautiful time. Wow. Great time. Miller. Fond memories. Very specific memories. You have died of dysentery. Oh, all right, so this is the Cinema Night Pod, and like we said, DM us on Instagram. Send us a picture of yourself watching films. We love that. We want to know <laughs> like what your this. favorite movies are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if people do this or not, but hey, send us pictures. We love seeing who the audience is. Connect with us. Tell us your story. When was the first time you kissed someone during a movie? We'd love to hear a romantic story like that. <laughs> send us a photo of you dying on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> That'd be cool, too. I'd be down for that. So today's episode is about adaptation. The focus will be, oh, does boy. it hold up? 2002's adaptation, Spike Jones, etc. We'll get into that during the focus-centered piece of the show. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we'll have quarantine viewing picks at the end of the show. Uh, do we have any emails today? I don't think no. so. No, we're unpopular. Uh, email us, people, if you would, or send us a message on Instagram or wherever. You know, just uh, ask us some random question. Just anything. Uh, anything at all. Make us feel like we're not just screaming into the void. We'd appreciate it. Uh, yes, <laughs> that would be appreciated. I know it really warms everybody's cockles in their hearts when you guys send us. Subcockle area. Subcockle, <laughs> yes. We don't know. All right, so that's how the show will go. But first... As always, there is an opening segment, and it's time to talk about awkward moments. Awkward moments. Someone had to do it. Somebody watched (laughs) the movie with their parents that was awkward. Or maybe it was with your grandparents. We're hoping that it'll keep it alight and it'll be fun. Because I think at a point when you watch Basic Instinct with your grandmother and you're like 12 years old, that's just not a good look. It's very uncomfortable. So we're going to find out what are the most uncomfortable moments in film with people you love shouldn't be watching films with mm. let's hear it yeah. travis get ready to squirm it does make it more awkward if it's people that you love or like uh you know your parents or whatever so uh i'll, I'll tell you the, the actual experiences i had and then, then we can go around with that and then maybe we'll <laughs> uh talk about maybe the other ones that we think would be awkward for people how about that oh. so um for me the earliest really awkward moment that I remember with uh, any of my family watching a movie, it was uh, Bram Stoker's Dac- Dracula came out in what I want to say 92. 
And I watched that with my mother and to be sitting in my mother when Keanu Reeves is in like, he's like the meat in a like a reverse gangbang sandwich of lady vampires. That was, that was a really not fun moment for me. I remember like being like, I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, my mother's shoulder is touching my shoulder. This is not like and she, you know, she stiffened. It was awkward. It was really awful for for all involved. Monica and, Bellucci, uh, one of the one of Dracula's brides. Uh, in yeah, one of the most beautiful women ever to walk the earth. Um, and another awkward moment for me was less awkward. But I remember watching Desperado with my dad, and when another gorgeous woman uh, disrobed in that film, Selma Hayek. I remember like just we just were dead silent, and then my dad just goes. She's a very attractive woman. <laughs> I could have died. I could have died right there. I, mean, I took note on the VCR of like the timing that it was. Oh, yeah. I, I had like the Not presence you. of mind to do that. But uh, yeah, that was a very cringy moment for me. <laughs> wow. Very attractive woman. Yeah, these are awkward moments with family members or where you just are watching a film and you feel like, boy, this is just so uncomfortable. I shouldn't be watching this with this particular person. Eric Branstrom, I know you got one because your whole life is awkward. I was a very sheltered child, and uh, I just started watching rated R films with my parents until the early 90s, and uh, they always did, like, the don't look and, like, oh, cover up those eyes when something weird came on, but (laughs) sometimes they'd miss it. So some of my real squirmers were, like, in the mid-90s when they were probably trying to figure out, like, what do we still say that? I mean, this kid, like, could go fight a war. And (laughs) one of the the big ones I I remember was, believe it or not – the Big Lebowski, because like huh. I, I didn't hear anything about this movie. Like I was a Coen Brothers fans and I knew my mother's, I think her favorite actor is Jeff Bridges. So I took it home and I'm like, hey, mom, dad, uh, Big Lebowski, you know, remember Fargo? And like five minutes in, just the the awful language and the the uh Vaughn Knudsen suck your cock for a thousand dollars scene. <laughs> that was like like I remember trying to like get up to like go act like I was getting something to eat and then like it didn't work out and then it just kept piling it on and like the Julianne Moore stuff and just the fuck you in the ass Wednesday instead stuff. That was a real squirm fest. So oh, so man. after that, I just I, I never would allow myself <laughs> to be in that situation again. But I have some hypotheticals that, are, that could be very rough. <laughs> OK, look forward to hearing those. What about you, Mike? Boy, that's tough, man. Uh you know, the one that comes to mind is uh, going to the theater to see Pet Cemetery. Hmm. Uh, the first one. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I th- 1988, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah that's uh, way back. I was pretty young. and You thought and, Zelda was hot? No, that kid gets murdered. I mean, that was just like hell on earth. It was so awkward. And I, I looked over at our, it was our babysitters who took us. We they were married and they were older people. And they looked over after that scene and they had this look of horror on their faces. <laughs> like, what did I take this child to? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? It was awful. I mean, that movie <laughs> is God, that movie's horribly uncomfortable for me still. That freaks me out. I mean, they kill like a two year old. It's fucked up shit. Yeah. God. And I remember their faces. I'll never forget that. That was the worst. That was not fun. Boy. So, wow. That's interesting. You know, we each have like, I'm sorry. Do you have another one that you were going to do? Oh, like, or, or is that uh, all the awkward? You know, Travis, I got to say, I remember distinctively you saying that you went to see Disclosure with your mother in the theaters. 
Oh. Yeah, but I don't. I don't have no recollection of that. Um, I I did go used to see the movies with go to the movies with my mom a lot, which was cool. Um, we were movie buddies, and um, movie and she buddies. trusted she trusted me to like you know watch adult movies, not adult movies, but you know movies Ooh. with adult themes. So <laughs> um, get in here. She encouraged Son me to watch this. Yeah. I started reading Stephen King like an eight or nine or something, but I find it really interesting that like our definitions of awkward for uh, for 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 each of us was different because for me it was something sexual, for Eric it was something like it was oh, profanity, man. and for you it was like you know child death, which is always uh, yeah. awkward to say the least. Um, yeah, I could yeah. do trial death, but yeah, I, I can't do yeah. that that horrible language. We didn't swear in our family, so that was like each one stung so bad. That's funny. Well, yeah. I watched a couple movies this week, actually, incidentally, that both ha- happened to line up very well uh, with this segment. One of them I watched uh, because I'd never seen Charlie Kaufman's Anomalisa, which came out, I want to say, in 2015, which if you've if you're not Animated? familiar, it's um, it's uh, puppetry. It's like high end oh. puppetry, mm. like um, like it looks really, really good. And if you remember the scene in oh what was that uh, Trey Parker Matt Stone uh, movie with the puppets and the team Team America right remember the Fuck sex scene yeah. yeah remember the sex scene in Team America and like it's really graphic and it goes on forever and there's like poop sex and like all kinds of just nonsense going on it's really extreme that would be an awkward thing to watch with your family Anomalisa would be even more awkward to watch with your family because not only are there puppets fucking in there it's like puppets <laughs> making love there's like this. 15 no not 15 but it goes on for a while it's like a 10 minute sex scene of like of like cunnilingus of like uh, of like Ooh. of like uh shifting and like the like the awkward moments of like first time sex and like oh watch out <laughs> and like all this stuff and it's all like very sweet but it's fucking puppets very very disturbing uh i liked yeah. the movie but like i would not want to watch that scene with anybody remotely i wouldn't want to watch that scene with anybody but um <laughs> more than that i watched this movie from i think 2009 called splice have you guys seen splice no no yeah okay so people that have seen splice that might be listening to this are already laughing because they know what i'm talking about i don't want to give too many spoilers but it's fucking like decade old movie suffice to say that there are genetic planes around with like humans and other animals so there's like this creation of like this half human thing and what this movie does with sex and this creature and human beings like Adrian Brody and Sarah Paulson. Uh, right? Isn't her name Sarah Paulson? That is her name. Yeah. Her name is Sarah Paulson. Her, her name is Sarah Paulson. Okay. Um, yeah. So what this movie does with sex and these characters, like these actors, like it's, I was like frozen as I was watching the movie. Just like, <laughs> I, could, I, 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 I was like, oh, just like my hand was frozen. My mouth was frozen. I'm like, this is the most horrific shit. I've, I've it's the weirdest shit. I'm not saying the movie was bad, but um, what happens in that movie is a violation in a lot of ways. And it, I felt like um, anyone like my, my roommate said he saw this movie on like a first date. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed because it's easily some of the most awkward shit I've ever seen in cinema. So is it like a is it like a creature or is it like a hybrid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a creature hybrid human half like what's grosser than a like a creature hybrid like a, like a, grosser than a creature would be like a half human half creature, right? Like, uh, like the thing or something like that, you know? Like that's what, yeah, I'm looking gross. at a picture of 
uh, who I'm assuming this thing has sex with, and this is fucking really gross. <laughs> and it's even more complicated because they like raise it, so like they're like its parents too. So it just oh. gets it just gets so weird and gross on so many levels. Sexual creature sex. All right. yeah, I don't All know right. that I need to finish the movie, but I. Oh. <laughs> I gotta wow. tell you, you know, I thought to, I had to think to myself with this segment. I'm like, all right, what would be what would be an absolute nightmare to have to sit there right next to it? I'm talking, they're on either side of you. You can't move. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> you got to sit there throughout the entirety, not say anything. With your parents. Yep. Okay. I finally came up with, <laughs> for several reasons, um, boogie nights. So <laughs> there's there's so many opportunities for the cringe factor to just go through the roof. I mean, the entire movie is basically about how remarkable this man's penis is. Mm. Uh, for one thing, his commitment to how good he is in a sex scene is another huge thing. The fact that if you have like blood flowing through your veins at all, you're, you're kind of, you're, you know, you're going to get a little bit turned down by some of these scenes. So uh, there's going to be this weird sexual tension in the air. There's this cocaine binges, this foul language, there's Dirk's uh, foray into male prostitution. And then finally, like a minute long scene at the end when he's like holding a big, big penis. It's it just I make, it's making me give goosebumps just thinking about it. But like presumably you would know what it was about before you sat down with the parents on that no. one, right? Like, <laughs> no, the thing is you just have to sit there and watch it, not knowing what it is. It's forced. Okay. <laughs> wow. Funny. Okay. Well, it sounds like some people have had uh, some tough times watching movies with other people, and I'm sorry that you guys had to go through that. But the good news is there's better days ahead. Do you have awkward movie moments? Did somebody make you cry? Did somebody make you feel so uncomfortable that you had to get the hell out of that room because this movie is just not appropriate? Get to a computer, a phone. Tell us about your experience. We'd love to hear it. We all know somebody watched Showgirls with their parents. They thought it would be like a show tunes movie, and it turns out about being strippers related. That's not cool. <laughs> so let us know. Cinema9pod at protonmail.com. Cinema9pod on Instagram. DM us. Send us a picture of yourself watching an awkward movie. Take a picture of yourself in that awkward movie moment even. That would be hilarious. I'd love to see your face. Take, guys. take a picture of your picture. mom's face while you're watching Deliverance with her. Yes. Take a <laughs> selfie of you and your father sitting down to watch Audition. That's just, yeah, that, that, yeah. That'd be great. Take a picture of your family's face while they're watching Pulp Fiction for the first time right. in the basement. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Okay, Grandpa. So this is Zed. And this here, <laughs> yeah, the kid has to stand yeah. there and watch. So. Pause it and like analyze it and break down the scene for him. All right, let's get into it. It's time to focus in on does it hold up? Does it does hold it up? Hold does it up. hold up? I want to know, does this movie hold up? 2002's Adaptation. I've got to stop sweating. Can she see it dripping down my forehead? Oh, she looked at my hairline. She thinks I'm bald. She's... You think you're great. Oh, wow. Thanks. That's that's nice to hear. We all just loved the Malkovich script. Thanks. Such thanks. a unique voice. Boy, I'd love to find a, a portal into your brain. <laughs> Trust me, it's no fun. <laughs> so tell me your thoughts on this crazy little project of ours. First, I think it's a great book. LaRoche is a fun character, isn't it? Absolutely. And Orlean makes orchids so fascinating. Plus her, her musings on Florida and orchid poaching, Indians, it's, just, it's great sprawling New Yorker stuff. And I'd want to remain true to that. You know, I'd, I'd want to let the uh, movie exist rather, rather than be 
artificially plot-driven. Great. I guess I'm not exactly sure what that means. Oh. I'm not sure I know what that means either. Um, you know, I just don't want to ruin it by making it a Hollywood thing, you know, like 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 an Orchid Heist movie or or something, you know, or uh, you know, changing the orchids into poppies and turning it into a movie about drug running, you know. Why, why can't there be a movie simply about, about flowers? I guess we thought that maybe Susan, Orlean, and 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 Laroche could fall in love. Okay. And but I'm saying it, it's like I don't want to cram in sex or uh, guns or car chases. You know, I, or characters, you, you know, learning profound life lessons or growing or coming to like each other or overcoming obstacles to succeed in the end. You know, I mean, it's, it's, the, the book isn't like that and, and life isn't like that. You know, it just isn't. And <clears throat> you know, I, f I feel very strongly about this. Travis. Wow. How long has it been? You chose this film. Mm -hmm. So... Did you want to dive in because it's been a while or yeah. how do you remember the first time you watched this? Well, as I posted on Instagram, I have a I have a, a poster of uh, adaptation that's followed me from apartment to apartment. And I asked uh, on, on the gram, you know, am I, I going to leave it up or if I'm going to take it down? The answer is I'm going to take it down because I'm moving. So it's going to be taken down. That but um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I bought you know, I, I, I got the poster and I've, and I've carried it around for so long, even though I haven't seen it, because it's one of those movies that while it came out in 2002 and I watched it originally with friend of the show, Steve Guile. Um, and, and really appreciate it then. I watched it a lot, and, I, and then it's what, like, you know, it's one of those I have not watched in a long time. So, I, and as my love for Nick Cage has grown drastically um, over the years, I also, in doing this podcast, I've, I have a huge appreciation for all things Charlie Kaufman. I, I would be happy to discuss any of his scripts or, or anything he's, he's touched. Um, so, I wanted to try and uh, find something, you know, that, that, covered both those grounds so i was happy to, to talk about adaptation and I, and I was really happy to watch it again and i'm excited to talk about it with you guys oh that is so wonderful i like to be tender er you are a tender man that's good that's a positive <laughs> thing eric we all know the story with you you came to the dump and said the movie was life-affirming and changed everything for you but however i'd like to hear your interpretation of the events your first time you saw it how long it's been tell us your story of adaptation my life was a fucking mess in 2002 uh, this came out in December because, uh, you know, I had this huge existential crisis. Like I was in love with all these women and they didn't want to give me the time of day. So I was starting to doubt myself. And like, and, and I, I wondered if my own thoughts mattered. So go. this was like the perfect movie to go into. I was trying to figure out if the love I had in my heart made a difference if it wasn't accepted by anyone else. Yeah. That's basically what Charlie Coffin is dealing with this yeah. in this, this movie. He's besieged by this um you know, this this case of uh, a lack of self-esteem and uh, among many other things. So I went to the AMC Livonia 20 right off Haggerty Road there, not far from you, Mike. And when I drove home, to, drove to your place from the theater, I was my tears were just streaming down my face. It, it, it was it was uh, it was a huge epiphany on my life. So a million times after that, it's been about 15 years. Yeah, it's probably been 10, 15 since I've seen it, too. Wow, Eric, that is. A very raw and honest depiction of your experience. I really, oh, it really spoke that. to me. I mean, as it should. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a powerful film, right? Uh, you know, adaptation was a movie I didn't see for years after the fact. I remember everybody talking about it, but oh. you know, typical me, I 
the more people talk about something, the more lackluster my motivation is to get to Contrarian. see it sometime. Because you promised yeah, well, me that night at the dump that you would watch it the very next day. So <laughs> broke that promise. That's a fucking joke. Yeah, first of all, a lie. Broke loser, and I was living life by the seat of my pants. So. Yeah, but I worked at Blockbuster, and I lived with you, so it was a free for all. <laughs> That's true, but this was in, you know at the time it was in the theater, so I would have had to go to see the theater, and I oh, didn't yeah. do that. I let you down, Eric. It's not the first time, and it won't be the last. But generally, I like to think my track record is pretty solid. However. I was more of a contrarian, much more contrarian, especially when I was 21, 22 years old. But now that I've seen this film, it makes me feel good. It's a very, very well done film. Makes me feel things about life that are so honest. You know, he's his whole intro is great about how, you know, that's not just how when he's talking to Tilda Swinton about this is not how life is, you know, and mm -hmm. in this movie, he tries to show what life really is like, you know, whether it's the key lime pie scene where he wants to ask her to go mm -hmm. to the orchid. Mm -hmm. Uh, convention and she, she's like oh, oh well you just ruined everything that's how it really goes waitress doesn't want to be hit on and that's why this movie's great i the first time i saw it i was like oh god this is okay but i wasn't really feeling it like other people felt it and this was 2007 ish 2006 2007 so i didn't see it for a while and i didn't catch up so i am responsible for that i will take responsibility however before we dive further into it, we always like to look at what IMDb says, what Rotten Tomatoes says. It's fun for us to look at some reviews and on IMDb, guys. There shouldn't be surprises here. So I'm, I'm getting, getting we get all positive reviews and anything negative. I'm just going to guys will be able to uh -oh. kind of pick apart and blame the it elitist. on the elitist. your bias is taken over. We cannot allow that on the show. We will not have that. <laughs> take over our show, Eric Brancho. However, does anybody want to guess the IMDb score if without knowing it? Or do you guys I already, already know? I already know it. Oh, oh man. I don't, yes. 7.5? 7.7. Very oh. good. But it's, it's below the 8. Eric, do you find that surprising that it's not at least 8 or higher? I think um, I, I'm very surprised for, for many reasons. Uh, I think if it was like maybe 10 years ago, within 10 years, it'd be way up there. But I don't think a lot of... People uh, have been watching it lately. So. I'm I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised at all because I mean I think it's the kind of movie that if you like it you love it, but if you don't like it then you're probably gonna fucking hate it and not get it. <laughs> I think that's a good point, Travis. On Rotten Tomatoes, everyone's favorite website, 91% from the critics, strong critic wow. rating, but not the highest critic score we've ever had. So that's interesting. So 85. High. Yeah, that's a great score. No, it's an A minus. That's great. 85% from the audience. They seem to think that it's a great movie, but not the all-time great that some would have you believe, which is fair. You know, Adaptation is a film that, uh, like you said, it, it doesn't... It's not obviously a, a love or hate thing, and it's not like you either love it or hate it. I just think it's complicated for some people. So, having said that, here's a response from Robert Wilansky from the Dallas Observer. <laughs> oh, boy. In, <laughs> this is from 2003, January 03. The most overrated movie of the year. Oh, fuck <laughs> this guy. Of all time, question mark in parentheses, by people who should know better. <laughs> Come on, Robert. There's That's one. And uh, that's, fuck you know better. <laughs> fuck you in your face. Sean O'Connell from Eclipse Magazine said in December 2002, Jones and Kaufman's <laughs> imaginations may be limitless, but what, what, their what? film could use some intentional grounding. Oh my God! These did people. He, did he watch the movie? That's kind of like the point. Uh, uh. <laughs> then, all right, so it gets better after that. Here's an old pal, 
Dustin Thompson. Dustin oh, Thompson. there he is. Our old buddy. Our old friend. <laughs> In December 20th, 2002, he said, Adaptation may not be the first movie to examine the creative process, but it's the most playfully brilliant. Hmm, that's solid. Right, and then his uh, co-worker, Stephen Hunter from The Post, says, Adaptation is simply brilliant. End of sentence. How about that? <laughs> so that's, I mean, he, he's so stunned by it, he couldn't even really describe it. And oh, lastly, one job. last one, Mick LaSalle from the San Francisco Chronicle, who is considered a top critic on Rotten Tomatoes with the gold star. Gradually, the movie's one joke plays out, and Charlie's doubts about inserting himself into his own screenplay proved to be well-founded. But two out of four stars. Wow. You know, I remember Mick LaSalle really praising Margot at the wedding a few episodes back. So once again, fuck Mick LaSalle. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have a note um, to, to, to show my hand early on. The last note that I made uh, after I finished watching the movie was this sentence. Uh, what is genius if not this movie? That's that's all I can say. I mean, it, the movie, it's 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 brilliant. It's it's a genius. It's a genius film. I understand that it might not be the most um, like the most fun to watch. It's not necessarily the best movie ever. Um, but in terms of, there's never been a movie like it before. And if a movie like that came out. It would be like um, some. It would be like something like, like like the Groundhog Day genre. Like it would be like, oh, you're doing like the, you're doing the adaptation thing because yeah. it's so uh, <laughs> unique and groundbreaking. The, the way that he, I mean, the, it's meta upon meta upon meta, and it's just and it and it works. It's not just it's not just masturbatory. It's it's it it works. It actually knows when the slow parts come and when it starts to dip and drag, and it's like, oh well. How about we throw in an alligator then? You know, <laughs> like it, it, it's 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 so smart. It's it's so smart. Wow. Not yeah, pulling I mean, any bunkers, are you, Trey? It's uh, it's so smart and small, so meta, but it it's it's you know, it's got it's it, tongue in cheek. I don't see this as being like I don't see Charlie Kaufman or Spike Jones like really wanting people to like sit there and like wear their black turtlenecks and analyze like the union conflicts and stuff in this. I think like they know that stuff's there, but like they want you to have more fun than to just be like, Oh, isn't this fucking amazing and mind blowing. It's, it's not arrogant in that respect. <laughs> it works on many levels. Wow. Okay. So yes, this is a film of incredible high end intense performance dedication. Uh, something yeah. that really wasn't necessarily supposed to come together. I think Charlie Kaufman was, almost fucking around when he tried to submit this script, right? And then, <laughs> yeah. oddly enough, the, they're like, oh, great, let's do it. Oh, we love and it. <laughs> I, I have read that it, he thought it would end his career because, you know, obviously, this film is not hiding him. That's I think we get a real honest portrayal. What do you think? How much percent of this movie is really what Charlie Kaufman's like, Travis? Well, I mean, according to him, not not that much. I mean, like, I mean, his, his, he's kind of, he was kind of thinning a little bit, but he's not nearly as thin as in his, in, on, on top as uh, Nick Cage was in the movie. And, and I'll talk about that more later because <laughs> oh, I find, I find okay. that really interesting. Um, as a, you know, I'm just going to do it now. I find that really interesting as a bald man. <laughs> um, because, oh. no, I find it interesting because Nick Cage has had a kind of a complicated relationship with his baldness in, in, in his movies, especially like for, during the mid late 90s into the early 2000s. Like he went from like, 
embracing it in most movies. And then kind of like, and then like, it was like, Oh, I grow long hair. I wear hair pieces. I wear wigs and I, and I have these really good toupees. And then, and then he does this movie and he gains a bunch of weight for it. And he, and he really shows off his baldness. So like, yeah, he, like he's really bearing his all in this movie is, is, is Charlie Kaufman bearing his all in this movie? I don't think that he really is. <laughs> I think, I think that he's showing the process. Yeah. I think he's bearing that part. Um, the level of anxiety. I think that that's, supposed to be i think that's an exaggeration but i mean i and i i believe it because i think i think that's what makes the movie so ultimately relatable is that we all uh most of us anyways have that level or some level of 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 anxiety and uh and doubt in ourselves but like and that's partly what makes the movie so human i think he just focused it on that part of himself to make the character that much more relatable because i think donald coffin is probably just as much charlie kaufman too the the idea i'm glad you brought up like physical appearance because i never really thought about how important the concept of attractiveness is in this movie mm-hmm. when you think about charlie kaufman you know kaufman repugnant ridiculous yeah and and, and he, he he believes he's he's failing mostly on you know his physical appearance in fact at one point he says i'll you know i'll still be ugly even right. if i do this and i do that i'll still be ugly but Donald literally looks exactly like him and chicks love him. He's a huge mm-hmm. success. LaRoche is this toothless, weird looking dude, but he's charming and sweet and kind of sexy. But Florida so, man. So, so yeah. And, and even Meryl Streep, I mean, he finds himself sexually attracted to her until the Swinton, but it, and it just goes to show you, you know, with like confidence and self-esteem, it doesn't matter what you look like, but he's yeah. just besieged by it. It's not even just with sex or relationships either, because Catherine Keener will give him not the time of day, um, but then she's hanging out with Donald Kaufman. Yeah. And that, that's just, a, that's just a, a work thing. And I got to say, before we continue, I'm going to admit it right now. Like, Tilda Swinton is so beautiful in this movie. And I got to admit, I always kind of have a, a, a crush on her. Even when she's playing like the most weird, fucked up person, I still think she's kind of hot. Well, she's that weird. Talented. No, she's mega talented. I mean, and obviously she has like these unique, fine features. So, sure, we're not judging you for your Tilda Swinton love. I'm not anyway, Mike. Tilda. Michael, your thoughts? <laughs> I don't see her like. I mean, I don't want to disparage her in any way. She's not. I mean, she is very uh, powerful. She is an incredibly strong presence. I respect the hell out of her as an oh, actor. Yeah. She dominates yeah. the scenes. <laughs> she will let you know that she is in the house but um this movie i mean i mean she's getting older now so in today's world she's aging and i'm sorry if you're a female listening to the show i i just don't find her as attractive anymore i'm sorry Am I, in I, I think that females of the of the world forgive you for not finding tilda swinton attractive <laughs> i don't want to get Cancel mike i really like doing the show i want to keep doing it don't kick me out you know, there's a really important person we haven't even mentioned yet, and which we uh, didn't Ooh. mention last week on the show, which Teaser. is Meryl fucking Streep. Man, we well, haven't really even talked about her on the Eric show. Eric mentioned hardly. her. Eric oh, said how hot she was. What? Isn't that what you said, Eric? I just no. said this is a middle-aged woman, but Charlie is attra- sexually attracted to oh, the point oh. he's one of his like five oh. masturbatory fantasies just because of her passion Top five masturbatory fantasies. Go! Well, <laughs> speaking of masturbatory, I, is it three times we get to see Nick Cage pretend jerk off in this movie? Yes. I think it's three times. What? You want to hear my pitch? Go away, goddammit. You know, I'm just trying to do something. Hey, thanks a lot, buddy. Cool. Okay, there's a serial killer, right? Well, no, wait. And he's being hunted by a cop, and he's taunting the cop, right? Sending clues who his next victim is. 
He's already holding her hostage in his creepy basement. So the cop gets obsessed with figuring out her identity and in the process falls in love with her, even though he's never even met her. She becomes like, like, like the unattainable, like, like the Holy Grail. It's a little obvious, don't you think? Okay, but here's the twist. We find out that, that the killer really suffers from multiple personality disorder, right? See, he's, he's actually really the cop and the girl. All of them are him. Isn't that fucked up? The only idea more overused than serial killers is multiple personality. On top of that, you explore the notion that cop and criminal are really two aspects of the same person. See every cop movie ever made for other examples of this. Back to Meryl Streep. This was such a uh, fun role for her. Like it's so like, she's like doing green Coke and like, um, like <laughs> and hanging out and like, it's, it's such a, such a wild kind of role for her, but it's, but she still maintains this sweetness through it. Even like towards the end when she's like, well, we got to kill him. And she's like, oh, I just want to go back. I want to be young again. Like she's still like sweet and like has like this, uh, like this vulnerability to her. Um, mm -hmm. I, was she nominated for this one too? I feel like she was. I know Nick Cage was, but didn't of course win. she is. He's nominated every year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's like the most nominated person in history. Susan so. Orlean. So she plays a real person. Susan Orlean is an actual right. writer. Went to the University of Michigan, by the way, local yeah, Ann Arbor, yeah. educated right. as a Wolverine, and she was just in the news. Did any of you guys happen to Google her? Dude, no. I would. I didn't have to Google her because I was on Twitter that night. I totally like just started. I started following her that night because I, I just saw uh, you know other people that I was that I'm you know that I follow started liking her tweets, so they showed up in my feed. And she was wasted. Susan oh. Orlean got wasted oh, on Twitter boy. and was talking about how much she needed candy. She was talking about what? how concerned her husband was and how fucking wasted she was and all these typos and shit. It was just like like I don't know four hours or so of like just stream That's of consciousness awesome. drunkenness. It was amazing. That's it's so funny awesome. because this was five days ago. We picked right. this. We picked this movie. It was so uh, fortuitous for us. Susan yeah, Orlean really still alive and well at sixty-four years old and wants candy. Someone give her candy. At any rate, so she's a real writer. This is a real book. And how much of this? I, I get fascinated by the reality and the uh, ma mystery, the yeah. imagination of this film. What, what, oh yeah. Where is the line drawn here? What do you guys? Do you even care? Like what's oh, real and what's much. not? Okay, is, I'd love to hear some comments on that. So fascinating to me too. Like we we're, we've talked about biopics and that kind of stuff on the show before. <laughs> biopics, if you will. Um, you know, like the we don't always know what's true. And and to me, what's really fascinating about this is that we know that John LaRoche and, and, and Susan Orlean are real people. These events really took place in the world. The, the, the thievery of orchids took place. <laughs> and, and the adaptation, you know, not, not, not the adaptation of a book to a screenplay, but the evolution of that story from reality to a New Yorker article, to a book by Susan Orlean, to a screenplay, to its actual completion. And it's just like it goes through these permutations every step of the way and and like you know that you're what you're watching is like divorced from reality but you also have to stop and wonder and like you know how how different is this really than rocket man or you know uh, uh the founder or like any other biopic like you know there's no you know there's no gator duet do ex machina is coming out but i mean <laughs> wait wait, wait. Um, luke's not here to go off on biopics and rocket man right now so we can't talk about that oh shit <laughs> call him up <laughs> But yeah, I find that super fascinating. Well, you just hit on a point I wanted to think about real quick. Sorry. I just wanted to think about and remind people that the word adaptation has like 20 different meetings in this fucking film. 
from the opening with like the evolution of the earth hollywood four billion years oh, ago so you know <laughs> it's so good and then every other it. version of adaptation that you just described travis this thing is very very layered go ahead eric well jonathan demi uh options the book okay in real life and then doesn't want to direct it but offers it to charlie kaufman so you got to imagine that's what i love too travis like at one point in the real world Charlie Kaufman had this assignment and he was like, oh, oh what the fuck am I going to do with this? And he right. made this decision to put himself in it. He ran into Susan Orlean, I think, on the set and it was all fucking awkward, just like it would be in the movie. So it's all this real life stuff that uh, is interesting. And even in this movie, the stuff that's taken from the book, uh, that's why I love this movie so much, because even when they just dramatize the book stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I I really like it and wouldn't yeah. have a problem if that was just the movie. I don't need, you know, to add the drama, as McKee says. <laughs> so that's the real question of this movie, right? Is is do we would we really watch a movie about yes. flowers? You know, would we would we really do that? Or do we need to have, you know, well, sex and death and drugs and, and romance and all that it's, stuff? It's that not about it, it's about passion. I mean, it's not about flowers. It's about passionate people. It's about misjudging people and, uh, you know, coming to coming to terms with your own passion and how we put project so much of ourselves onto these people. And then when they let us disappoint us, it, like it changes our perspective on them. So it's about relationships and passion and art. So there's a movie there. I, no, I agree completely. But, but, and, and, and I think that's like part of like, um, what, what is interesting to me is that, is that we could watch a movie just about flowers. I agree. But, but, but if this movie had come out the way that, like, if it had followed the way that the movie starts, like, it does start to dip in the middle before he makes the connection to really make, even before, cause, like, if you watch the movie, he's like watching it, he, you know, he's like, you know, he's talking into his, uh, into his what have you, into his, into his recorder, and you see him come to the conclusion, like, I've got to make the movie about Susan Orlean. Like, she's got to be a character in the, in the movie itself, which was, was not part of the plan originally. And then yeah. you get, yeah. shortly after that, you, you see him get to the point where he's like, I've, I've got to put myself in it too. So to, for it to like follow that, I, 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 I mean, I, and I want to hear your thoughts too, Mike, but like some of my favorite movies, they don't have any story. Lost in Translation, Slacker, Days to Confuse. It's just like hangout movies and characters and stuff. There's no plot. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it needed all this. I love it. I'm just saying, yeah. I don't know if, if Charlie needed to visit McKee and do all this. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's his I, own like self-doubt. Yeah. Drives yeah. Him to do it. He, if he, he could have done it on his own. Oh, Sorry, of course. Mike. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. As we continue to talk about adaptation, send in uh, your thoughts. Did you watch adaptation? We want to know. How do you see this movie? Are you having a different response than we are? Cinnamon Take pictures of yourself watching film. adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Send us a video of you stealing plants from a national park. <laughs> uh, chicky huts, right? Oh, yeah, there are chicky huts. Send us an email, cinnamonipod, protonmail.com, or DM us on Instagram, cinnamoninepod. We want to know, is Adaptation the your favorite movie of all time? Is it your least favorite? Did you not even bother to <laughs> watch this between? trash? Were you like, why are they doing this movie? This fucking sucks. Tell us. I want to know. We do care. Knock your knock your two front teeth out and send us a, your impersonation oh. of John LaRoche saying, I've given like 60 lectures on the cultivation of plants. <laughs> you know, and LaRoche is, is a lot of fun as a character, too, going back to your point about passion. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not just pat like like... One of the things in the book is like in the movie rather is passion, but like to the point of obsession, 
like because mm-hmm. uh, she, she's wrestling. And she goes, she goes. I want to know what it feels like to really like. My passion is. I want to know what it feels like to feel passionate about something. So she's stuck on this one end where she just can't really like, f- like summon the fucking willpower to really feel passionate about something. And then you got LaRoche on the other hand, who was just like, well, fuck fish after like devoting his life to it. So he like he like runs through these obsessions and then they they burn out and he's done with them. And like so, there's also like this whole thing going on about like balance and like uh and 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 life and. But that also factors into like again like the creation of art in in, in that kind of stuff. It's just god damn it, this movie. It's good. I dropped turtles when I fell in love with Ice Age fossils. Collected the shit out of them. And fossils were the only thing that made sense to me in this fucked up world. There's fossils for silver and old mirrors. My mom and I had the largest collection of 19th century Dutch mirrors on the planet. Perhaps you read about us. Mirror World, October 88. I got a copy here somewhere. I guess I'd just like to know how you can detach from something that you've invested so much of your soul in. I mean, didn't you ever miss turtles? The only thing that made your 10-year-old life worth living? Look, I'll tell you a story, all right? I once fell deeply, you know, profoundly in love with tropical fish. I had 60 goddamn fish tanks in my house. I skin dived to find just the right ones. Anisotromus virginicus, Holocanthus ciliaris, Chaetodon capistratus, you name it. In one day I say, fuck fish. I renounce fish. I vow never to set foot in that ocean again. That's how much fuck fish. That was 17 years ago, and I have never since stuck so much as a toe in that ocean. And I love the ocean. But why? Done with fish. (laughs) If you'd really loved something, wouldn't a little bit of it linger? Evidently, LaRoche's finishes were downright and absolute. He just moved on. You seem to like it. I feel like you're into this film. I don't know what it is, but Travis has enjoyed this film, I believe. And I enjoy this film, too. I think it's interesting. You know, there's... Great performances by everyone, as always. We always like to give credit. Spike Jones, the director. This is coming off being John Malkovich, which was a big hit. So they teamed up again. And the movie starts. Are they on the scene of that film or is it a different Malkovich yeah. film? That's what no, I mean. It's being John Malkovich, yeah. Because I've actually never seen that movie completely. Uh, I was going to see that was going to be my other. I was going to do that one originally. Wow. Oh, never seen man. That. I n- I've never seen it all the way through. I've jumped in on some scene where like there's like a tiny hallway yeah, or something. Okay. <laughs> Without context, it's meaningless. And you your favorite, it. yeah, your favorite buddy, T- Stephen Tobolowsky's in this film, Travis. Isn't that wonderful? In adaptation? Yeah. Yeah, scenes deleted. Oh, but he yeah, was in it. Deleted. Well, okay. <laughs> you didn't watch the deleted version? <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't. I thought you watched the extended master cut. Is there an extended master cut that exists that's available to the public? <laughs> I was just sad that Stephen Tobolowsky got Tobolowsky cut. Because he should have the Tomalowski cut. Exactly. I love and I love it. And by the way, Curtis Hansen pops in this film. And Where's David O. Russell. David O. Russell. Everybody's biggest, there. everybody's favorite asshole. Just a year later. In fact, actually, when this movie came out, David O. Russell was being an asshole to Lily Tomlin on set in one of the most legendary oh, blow up clip. Yeah. A legendary Defended by Lily Tomlin and Dustin yes. after the fact. Oh, yeah, that we were totally fine with being called cunts to our faces. <laughs> Hollywood is a fucking bizarre place, isn't it? <laughs> so 
Uh, what else about this movie? I mean, I I think that the the angle I, I get kind of annoyed by Donald. I the Donald character could this oh. movie have existed without Donald, or do you think it was necessary? What if this film didn't have Donald in it? It was just Charlie having his own thoughts. Would that have ruined the film for you? They would have had to come up with some other character to serve the function, and, and it wouldn't have been nearly as fascinating. Yeah, you need a foil for all of his thoughts. And yeah, something to bring the bounce <laughs> off. Yeah, um, apparently, his own brother, uh, Mark Coppola, popped in as the stand-in. Yeah, and this I saw film that. looks pretty good. That. It, it kind of holds up the uh, you know the split images of them together. It doesn't look that bad, or it doesn't it doesn't look dated. I will give them credit for the yeah, technology. it looks good. There's even this moment where they talk about like the the uh, difficulties of trick photography and like trying to like. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's so awesome. Well, when they're when they're in the uh, when they're out there in the swamp too, and they're like right next to each yeah. other, laying next to each other in the dirt. It looks very authentic. That is really well done. I thought they but, did a nice job with that. But it is it is important that Donald be in the show in the movie and that um and that Nick Cage actually look like him because it it makes all those points clear that we raised earlier about his own lack of confidence and all that kind of stuff. So there's some theories floating online that Donald isn't real. He's just <laughs> in uh, Charlie's mind. <laughs> Did any, did either of you think that he was real when you saw this movie? Because I definitely thought that he was a real person when I saw no, it. No, I definitely didn't. I thought he was all made up. That's actually what really? I thought the first time I saw it. But I didn't think of that so much this time when I watched it. When I saw it in theaters, I I, I accepted a lot of what was before me and was like, oh, Susan Orlean's got a drug problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I thought Donald Coffin was real. And even when he was, even when Coffin was nominated for, which I believe he no, I don't think he won, but he, I know he was nominated for best uh, adaptation for a, a screen adapted screenplay, and uh, they even showed a picture like a, 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 of these two of this pair of twins that wasn't even him or like. Oh, well, they it, said it like, if they awesome. won, that both names would have been on the trophy, or they both would have yeah. had to accept. Yeah, it. Like, to, it was... and in Golden Globes too, which to my knowledge this is the first time a fictional character has been nominated for a best screenplay award. So that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit pre-show. You had brought it up. I mean, and I love any movie where there's an actor playing twins. They're so they're always oh, so boy. much fun, Michael. Tom Hardy. Oh fuck, Legend. Schwarzenegger Except and Legend. De Devito. That, that, was, right? that was shit. Schwarzenegger um, and Devito. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever see um... Jean Claude Van Damme? Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> Double team. Double, double, double team, yeah, double, <laughs> double, double team. Okay, look, this impact. is important. Double team double with Dennis impact. Rodman. Yes, yeah, thank yeah. you, Travis. Yeah, double team is Travis Rodman and Jean Claude Van Damme. Yes. Double impact is hardcore Jean Claude Van Damme, and then the smooth, sexy LA version of Jean Claude Van Damme. He's really yeah. quite well done. Cool. I I watched that movie about a hundred times growing up, so I'm very well versed in it. I would love. To, I might even pick that. I might even pick that. That's a fucking great idea. Wow, he just yeah, put a great idea a really in my great head. Great idea. Okay. Guest host week. I'm I'm gonna be out. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> guest host, two guest hosts that week. No, but what's the what is the best that okay coming to mind? What's your what's your favorite? What who do you think did it the best? Other than right now an adaptation, because I would say Nick Cage an adaptation. Yeah, um, I'd have to say you? Dead Ringers with Jeremy Irons. Like the the things they do in that just to like convince you that they're just one person acting on the set at the same time are fucking mm -hmm. awesome. Thanks to Chrome. What about multiplicity? <laughs> yeah, I watched it the other day. I watched that just the other day. Multiplicity. And it's still a delight. It's still a lot of fun. It's, it's still a good still movie. A delight. But I was thinking, what's her name? Um, I can never pronounce Annie her McDonald? name. Mattis, what's her name? From uh, Orphan Black, T Tatiana. What's oh, her name? Oh, yeah, Masley or something? Masliana, Tatiana. So yeah. Anyways, <laughs> in terms of acting with yourself, no one no one holds a candle to what you do. 
really no multiplicity really? that's a lot of ribs what is that yeah. like a slab oh my gosh but yeah i mean it's another credit to nick cage i mean it's two completely separate characters and and it's it's so easy to be fooled that that it's all all the gag because he holds himself a certain way he talks a certain way he reacts differently i could go on and on is this the turning point in his career though i kind of feel like it is not that it should be but I, i just think this is where like so he does the family man, the weatherman, and he does the ghost rider films and whether you love him, we know Travis is absolutely obsessed with Nick Cage and loves him dearly, but he did go downhill in terms of the public perception of his, you know, image as a top notch first A-list actor. Not that I give a fuck about that stuff, but for the record, we have to identify it. You can't say it was, too, you can't say it was the last time he was nominated for Academy Award was when things started to go downhill for him. You could say that maybe that was his last high point maybe um but I, I would say lord of war is probably about more like when things started to kind of go downhill for him like that went through theaters and people just didn't care probably for like the first time that was 2007 or 6 i think but yeah. I, yeah i do want to talk about nick cage and his performance for a bit um if you know me you know that uh my favorite actor of all time is philip seymour hoffman but my 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 close second is has has become Nick Cage. Um, I didn't always feel the way I felt about him, um, but in the last few years, I've definitely developed a lot more appreciation for his work. And I think that one of the reasons why he is so perfect for this movie is because what this movie is doing, it's, it's using artifice to tell a truth. Which, like, you know, most movies do. I mean, it's not unless we're dealing with a documentary, but even then there's still some sort of, like, you know, structured choices that are made, that kind of stuff. But still, like, this movie, more so than most movies, is letting you know that it's that it's artificial. That it's, like, it's showing its hand. It's letting you know, like, hey, this is, this is something that's not uh, true, but you are still going to get some truth from it. That, that love is not <laughs> – what is it that he says at the end of the movie? That um, – that, um, uh, love is you are you, you, not you, you are, are what you love, love not, not what loves you. you right that's a total fucking truth and there's truths like that throughout this movie so and, and that's why I think Nick Cage was such a perfect uh, casting choice for this movie because Nick Cage un, he's he's not Brando he's not one of those guys that like tries to go for nuance and like um tries to, he's, <laughs> he's like he's practically fucking Kabuki theater I mean he deliberately overacts. And that's where his genius lays in that he can overdo things over and over again. And, and in so doing, it actually like presents like this, uh, you, you can get this truth from his artifice as well. So for, I think that the two of them together make a perfect marriage in this movie. He was the best possible person to play this, these characters. Well, that is not holding back Travis with the passion for Nick Cage. Nick Cage is <laughs> pillowcase. Highly, highly popular. I think it's one of the most popular celebrity pillowcases on the market. Am I wrong I, about that? I would love to be a fly on the wall because they say a lot of his performance was like damn near line readings from Spike Jones, just basically telling him exactly how to do this role mm-hmm. uh, from what I hear. So I, it'd be really interesting to see like how he was directed because you don't really think about him as Charlie when you watch Con Air, The Rock, or any number of this red straight to red box shit nowadays. But when you're watching this, you absolutely believe the character. I mean, like every single scene of Charlie, he's got this look on his face like someone just like pushed him onto the stage and he doesn't know his lines and he's just like waiting to be like fucking like 
torn apart by critics. It's, it's well, hilarious. That's, a, that's the thing with Nick Cage, I think, is that more so than most actors, like he needs a great director. He needs a director that really yeah. knows how to rein him in yeah. and how to, and when to let loose. And, uh, and, and um, I think that that has a lot to do with uh, with the, the better work that he does, because clearly he kind of just takes paychecks, and that's fine. Sometimes oh God, those yeah. are sometimes those are fun to watch. But have you seen the movie that he's got coming up called uh, "The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent"? It's going to be something. It's going to be fucking something. It's going to make adaptation something. look like adaptation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what if, if, if for those of you that don't know, Nick Cage is going to be playing like like our man uh, J- uh, John Claude Van Damme. He's going to be playing himself. <laughs> in a movie he's playing nick cage uh who's like you know kind of his star is fading and he agrees mm-hmm. to uh because he's got money trouble he agrees to um like do a birthday party for a millionaire and then <laughs> is forced into some sort of action star scenario so for nick cage to play nick cage i'm i'm already just in heaven at the idea i'm there yeah, I mean, the dude. There's no doubt about it. The dude does a lot of trash, and I think it's because he has to afford to like pay for like Dracula's castle or wherever the fuck he lives. Port of Call, New Orleans. <laughs> he was great in that, and that's it's thanks to uh, fantastic um, Werner Herzog. So yeah. yeah, great director, a little passion, caring about what the fuck he's doing. What they shouldn't have called it Bad Lieutenant though. They should have just called it something different. Actually, I've got a lot to say about that later. Let's let's save it. Okay, he's got something to say about it. He wants to table it. It's, Eric Branstrom style. We'll save it for later teaser. I like yeah. it. So as we continue this segment, I wonder, is this the best Charlie Kaufman movie of all time? Or is it a close second to uh, Connected New York? I really like that. <laughs> well, oh, so, boy. I mean, that was what I was going to choose because that's got Philip Seymour oh. Hoffman in it. But like... I think, and again, like I, I think that I think this, I think Synecdoche, New York, is a better movie. Um, wow. I think it, I think it's one of the best movies for me personally. I think it's it's up there. It's one of my favorite movies, but it's also a movie that I've only watched, I don't know, three or four times compared to most movies that I love that I will watch over and over again. But um, Synecdoche, New York, is it's it's a it's a challenging movie, and it it leaves you feeling a certain way that you don't necessarily want to feel every day, and you don't <laughs> want the, you don't want the feeling to wear off by by watching it too much either. Oh man, I know. Yeah, that sounds we're, terrible. We're all hurling towards death, so that's that's the theme for like what four hours of that, that movie. It's like, no, if, if that's all you got from the movie, man, then I think you need to rewatch it. I'll take another look. Uh, <laughs> I I watched that one uh, after the fact again. I, I didn't watch it when it came out. It was many years later, and that was a really really strong film. Made me think about a lot of things that uh, I don't want to think about right now. So <laughs> I would prefer to stay in adaptation. And as well, we look, we've yeah, oh. Char- oh. I mean, Charlie Kaufman, too. I mean, my favorite films of his are when he's paired up with Spike Jones, because I don't particularly care for human nature, um, okay. which he made with Michelle Gondry. What about Eternal Sunshine? Eternal oh. Sunshine. I Yeah, I took a look at it recently. Does it doesn't hold up that well? Yeah. Uh-oh. Wow. That's, that's gauche, bro. That's you both. Loved you that. can't say you that. You fucking loved that yeah, movie but so much. I know I did, but uh, I took another look changed. at it. Time my favorite Spike Jones perform- uh, directation ever directation direct <laughs> direction yeah my favorite spike jones direction ever was the bc boy i, I knew you were gonna say that <laughs> yep i knew that it's so good it holds up to this day we should start a podcast about music videos that hold up or not maybe that'd be uh, well, he didn't he also do waxes uh why did i move to southern california <laughs> with the guy, the guy the guy catches on fire and he's it's just a guy trying to catch a bus and he's like in slow motion running for a bus but he's on fire i haven't seen that music videos ever 
Wow. Okay. You one up me. Good job. Uh, in the end, I think I think this movie has so much to offer. It's so layered and thick. We could probably talk about it for three hours easy because <laughs> what is happening before you and what's going on beneath you, everything has intention in this film. I think one of the best parts of this film for me is the intention of every sequence of uh, editing, direction, yeah. performance, what you get to see. Uh, costume design, everything. I mean, everything is so detailed. It's so richly, richly detailed. And I love this movie because now as an older man facing down my own mortality, I start to look at adaptation with uh, a real honest, honest lens. And I am thrilled to say that I think this movie holds up tremendously. I'm so proud wow. that we got to take a look at this film. And I'm glad to watch this again. In fact, I will probably revisit this film a couple more times this year. I don't blame you. I, oh. I, I I had a regret when I watched this movie the other night, and it was that it had been so long since I'd watched it. Um, it I think it absolutely holds up. I think it is a, a genius movie. I think that um, it's also so funny. I mean, when, when Donald Kaufman is talking about um, – uh, his screenplay, and he's like, "I'm gonna have a car, you know, I'm gonna have like a chase scene with a motorcycle, technology <laughs> versus horse." That fucking line makes me still laugh so hard, like I'm just so fucking stupid and ex like accepted and predictable, and like it's so funny. Don't um, call it a pitch. <laughs> don't call. Don't it say it, my it, friend. Don't call it the industry. <laughs> <laughs> don't say industry. Yeah, it, this, but there's also like these great moments, like the, like the speech that Chris Cooper gives about, like he goes from like well, it's not a fucking pissing contest, and you're like this guy's a dick, and then he has this beautiful soliloquy about like mm. pursuing your flower and like uh, pursuing your passions, like so this yeah. movie can like have like Nick Cage being yeah push push in the bush, and you're like Jesus fucking Christ, this is awkward <laughs> but funny, and then it can have these really poignant moments that really do say big things about life. Um, yeah. So I think that this movie is just so true and human and and intelligent, and I and if you've never seen it, you you're probably not listening to the podcast at this point. But if you've never seen it or if it's been a while, I strongly recommend watching it again. It's it's really a fantastic film, even if you don't like Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean, we're not. I don't think we're giving enough credit to Spike Jones because when it comes to like these. Like, no, I don't think anyone makes like bittersweet movies as, as well as that guy because they can be ridiculous and like completely fucking bizarre and hilarious. But in the next scene, you'll be just crying. I mean, when Chris Cooper's on the stretcher and mm -hmm. his mouth is all bloody, it's just you. You're, I had tears streaming down my face and I've seen I this too. a million times. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think when it comes to does this hold up? Um, it, this is the one that holds up the most out of all the films we've looked at on the show so far, in my opinion. I'm, I watched it twice when I did my. I agree with you, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I watched it I twice last you. week. So, yeah, it, I just think it's a complete fucking masterpiece. I have small issues. Like, for me, once like the, the, the flip happens and I know it's just like Donald or Charlie trying to like get out of the hole because it's a job and he needs to right. complete the job. I'm a little bit like, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with what you were saying in the beginning about not needing car chases and drug runners and characters growing or right. But or I think we're supposed to feel that way. But you're supposed to feel it. And I don't mind the manipulation. I know it's cheesy, but I'm, it's like tug of war. It's like, I know I'm fucking being manipulated because the structure works, but it works and it's fun and sad. That sprawling New Yorker shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Wow. Well, I think we covered some great territory on this film. And it's Judy Greer. Everyone... We didn't talk about her. Either, oh but God! Oh, we 
We talk about Judy her. Greer every week, so she's I getting up there with so Paul Schrader. Uh, Paul Schrader like versus Judy Greer. Last week, I think, was the first week we didn't talk about Paul Schrader. I uh, I was really amazed that, uh, wow. that when I listened to my release in the episode, I'm like, what? We didn't talk about Paul Schrader or First Reform? So it's a good thing we <laughs> Well, he's back that. now. Welcome back, Paul. <laughs> Paul and Judy, a couple destined to live together for many decades on this show. We're going to be talking about Judy Greer and Paul Schrader until 2040. We're really excited about it. That's Glenn. Did you enjoy adaptation? Did you find our analysis putrid? Maybe pedantic? Uh, maybe <laughs> puerile? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe like post something, post hardcore, you know? post, post, post. Who the hell knows? In the end, I want to know. Travis wants to know. Eric loves your emails. He actually doesn't want to know. If you don't like him, don't tell him. Oh, yeah. If you don't like Eric, please email him and tell him why. Give a list of 10 reasons. Don't do that. But don't first, that. let me don't edit it first, because I would not let that get to you. I'll protect you, Eric. Don't worry. Aww, but in the meantime, cool. email the show, cinnamoninepod at protonmail.com, numerical nine, cinnamoninepod, Instagram. Instagram! It's a place that Facebook owns. So even if you're trying not to be on Facebook, you're basically still a part of Facebook because you're on Instagram. So, Mike Govier, you're a fucking idiot. Anyways, <laughs> it's time since we don't have an email. And I'm not trying to, like, really promote that, but I am, because I want to get an email. No, we all know what you're promoting. You're promoting pictures of, of people watching TV. That's what you really want. <laughs> I love watching people taking pictures of themselves, watching films, TV shows, documentaries on, like, shitty... The shittier the TV, the better the picture, in my opinion. <laughs> let's move into our quarantine picks. It's quarantine viewing pick time. Yes, COVID-19 is still real. Yes, we are in quarantine. And if you're out and about having a lavish summer blast, if you're having an endless summer, uh, you're probably disrespecting other people. And I'm going to stand firm in that opinion. Unless you're, unless you're wearing a mask. If you're wearing a mask and having a good time, then... Well, that's a good start. Yeah, a, a mask is very helpful, and you are contributing to protecting others. So thank you for doing that. But in the meantime, we have people that are staying indoors, even though it's hot as blazes. <laughs> yeah, that's partly why I'm staying indoors. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, the chubbier a certain people are, like myself and others. The fuck you talking about, dude? The more, uh, you know, the more we like to stay indoors where the ACs run it. And my new house has central air, so I am in heaven. My life has been affirmed. Hallelujah. Just like Air Branch of 2002, my life's been affirmed by this central air conditioning. I'm so happy. Life affirming wow. air conditioning. <laughs> So let's get to it, Travis. You always have some of the top-notch recommendations of the oh, week for man. viewing picks. Don't let us down now. I watched a lot of movies. I watched a lot of <laughs> movies. Uh, let me Talking. see here. Okay, so um, I, I watched Molly's Game because we talked about it last week. Oh! I've never seen it before. Oh! And it was really fucking good. That's on Netflix. Really? Check it out. Idris Elba. Uh, uh, yeah, Idris Elba, Jessica Chastain. Oh, I love um, her. Also on Netflix, I watched a movie that uh, I've been meaning to see for a long fucking time. Uh, from 2010 that suddenly randomly you know how netflix has like the top 10 movies now like it's been in the charts for for weeks uh 2010's <laughs> how, do, how do you know with reese witherspoon and paul oh, yeah we were talking about remember, this i talked about James this Elbert. on one of our right. first episodes right i remember and i remember like oh yeah i've always been meaning to see that which it was no it was nothing like what i thought it was going to be i thought it, like paul rudd and jack nicholson were like roommates or something i don't know i don't know what the fuck, I don't know what the fuck yeah, I it was like. actually one of my quarantine viewing picks like the first couple episodes okay cool well, so now fun. i'm repeating that to say that there's a reason why it's in the uh netflix top things that all of a sudden 10 years after it came out because it's actually really kind of unpredictable and pretty good like it's very Yay! unconventional wow um, thank for, you for thank being you. like a soft light kind of like romantic comic comedy it doesn't it's not paint by numbers at all so uh that was good Yes, uh, Jimmy Brooks. I mean, still good stuff. Yeah, and the last Jack Nicholson movie, which is worth seeing, you know, for that. 
Um, I also watched Straight Time, which was Luke's yes. recommendation God, from uh, recently, which I, I, I talked about on Instagram. So check that out on Instagram. Great. Um, I watched Greyhound from uh, Tom Hanks. Oh, no shit. It's, uh, I, got, I got Apple Plus for free when I got my iPhone. It's streaming for free on there, apparently. So it's better than that. other people. And uh, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> and I gotta say, man, like, uh, what yeah, yeah, I, 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 I almost, I kind of felt like I was watching people at work. Like, it, it was like, <laughs> like the jargon was so like thick, and wow. like, I mean, like, it, it was, it was, it was good. But like, I think that it was definitely a movie that, like, if I had seen it in theaters, I would have had, a, I would have walked out with a much higher opinion of it. Um, I mean, Tom Hanks at work. That's kind of how it felt. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do have two movies I really want to strongly recommend. One. From 2014, a movie I was aware of for a long time, a documentary uh, called Morphine, Journey of Dreams, about the band Morphine. Oh, if you're not familiar, uh, Morphine is a one of the best, if not like the best, well, it's certainly one of the very fucking best indie bands from, from the from the late 80s and early 90s. And the best baritone sax band of all time. Yeah, it's no guitarist, if you're not familiar. Um, just very groovy, very sexy uh, good stuff. And Mark Salmon, the singer famously died on stage and the yep. documentary. Um, it was great. I mean, I, I don't want to you know spoil anything, but I will say it disabused me of the notion that drugs were involved. Drugs were not involved. He wasn't a, a drug. Where's user. this at? Where, where can I watch this? Uh, I, I, I have a copy myself now. I, 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 ah, I, shit. I yeah, but, uh, that's why that's that. Yeah. You get to like, you know, go ahead and pay for the rental or, or purchase it. Cause I, that, I, I noticed the other day, I'm like, Oh shit, this came out in 2014. That means six years. I've been like, Oh, I'm going to watch that. And after like six years, I'm like, okay, I'm just, I feel like Janice, I told me about it back then and I blew him off. Mm. Uh, yeah. But I need to watch it. By the way, I just want to make this comment because morphine got the lead song in a legendary film called wild things. They got the opening title oh, sequence yeah. song in also, there. Also spank the monkey. They were a big part of that too. I <laughs> had my chance. Uh, wild things. Um, but and the last movie I'm going to recommend real quick uh, is uh, Bad, Bad Lieutenant 2 Port of Call. <laughs> um, New Orleans. It was so fucking good, man. Dude, there it it is. was so good. Yeah. I could not believe it. And it, and it, and it made Dang. sense for it to be Bad Lieutenant 2. First I was like, does it need to be Bad Lieutenant Two? It could kind of stand on its own, but it, but it, so you don't need to see Bad Lieutenant One if you've never seen Bad Lieutenant One, because um, there's no continuation. But there is a continuation of themes that would have that would have opened the film up to very legitimate charges of uh, being derivative had they had they not called it a sequel. Um, oh but man, it is like Werner Herzog and Nicolas Cage teamed up together. It's uh, that's a match made in paradise too. They they work really well together, and Nick Cage is such a fucking cartoon character in this movie. He's just like he's all hunched up. He looks and he's got like his gun sticking out oh, of his yeah. fucking hip, and like he, a fucking he, werewolf. He looks like a, a sketch of Humphrey Bogart. Like it's so, <laughs> oh, it's it's really good. So uh, if you haven't seen that, check it out. I believe it's on Plex. I think that's where I watched it, or Pluto, or something like that. Hey, it starts wow. with a P. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, once again, a strong assortment of titles from travis roy eric branson what do you got man dude mike did you watch heaven's gate yet or what oh yeah no, I, of course i want to watch it <laughs> he moved he moved <sighs> give him, give him some i time. did move i this look at you've got I, I'm, one week. I'm sitting at a desk that isn't finished yet look to see the parts over there those are the parts that still need to be finished so i will get to it <laughs> you have Just seven days <laughs> okay great seriously cut me off i was fine with you guys talking about it today you guys would be like fuck you just talk about it and i would have accepted <laughs> my fate because that's my responsibility i let people down <laughs> you know no, I've, I've always kind of never cared for both of the act lead actresses in this movie i watched recently 
I don't know why, because I can, I can, and I saw Sandra Oh like live on stage in Chicago, Ooh. but I just never really cared for her. Uh, I can say the same for uh, Anne Heche. I, uh, I, just, I just never understood what the deal is with this woman, but um, they're actually both really good and really laugh out loud funny in this movie on Netflix called Cat Fight. Have you heard of this movie? Nope. Yes. Mike, did you see it? No, but I've heard of it. <laughs> I think you would both like it. Like they're they're both like these uppity New York like bitches. They're like so mean and they're so horrible. But yeah. like, but like the tables get turned on them and they're forced to like grow and change and stuff. But like, Ooh. it's like a like one of the most blackest comedy I've I've ever seen because like there's like 15, 20 minute long sequences where they're just like beating the shit out of each other like over <laughs> and over again. It's I mean it sounds really weird. But is it darker than very bad things? It, I, it's fucking dark. I'm, I'm talking about like pregnant women getting jacked in the face and like hit with two by fours. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just it's just really different, and I have to appreciate it for that, and not in like a woman hating sort of way. It's like it's it's a female director. We well, did like, say uppity like, bitches. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, if someone's a bitch, just like so, someone's a bastard or an asshole, I'm fine. With Remember Margot at the wedding? Um, oh like, boy! Like picture those. Picture like Margot and like another one that's just like Margot, just like fucking getting in like fist fights. Margot and, and like, her sister going like insane. Uh, I recommend it. Um, I also watched this movie from 2016. It's an animated film from France. It's called My Life Is a Zucchini. Have you heard of this film? No way. <laughs> I never it's, have. it's really fucking good. Um Is so it it's it, it's French. So it's about this little boy. It's like I think it's like claymation or whatever Animalisa did. Yeah. And it's this beautiful animation. It's about this little boy who accidentally kills his mother and is sent to a foster home where he has to learn about like trusting people and like what, what family can mean and like what, what trust and love did is. Did he push her over an open dishwasher door? No. <laughs> Okay, no, kidding. he accidentally like. Um, well, you have to see the movie, but uh, it's a really sweet movie, nominated for best uh, animated film uh, a few years ago. That uh, really, really caught me off guard, and I and I personally think it's important to have uh, some of these like adult kind of scary themes when it comes to movies for maybe teenagers, uh, you know, to be confronted with. Um, yeah, other than that, <laughs> I wa I watched The Mask last night. It's not very good. <laughs> Uh, Rocky doesn't Dennis doesn't really hold up. No, not Eric I Schultz? love mask. I love uh, Peter oh. Donovan's mask, oh, okay. but uh, yeah, the mask <laughs> kind of dumb. I wouldn't expect that one to hold up very well. Cameron Diaz, that's her first film, still dropped dead gorgeous and beautiful oh, and, and funny white and black dress. But wow, it sounds like you guys are into it. Peter Green is like the the gross, like fat headed demon <laughs> bad guy is so <laughs> dumb. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm just an ex customer coming back for my back pay. I oh my mean, God. pay back. Like it's John so Leguizamo and Spawn. Yeah, uh, worse than clown. Oh, worse than clown. <laughs> really dumb. A low moment in film history. Yeah, that's it. All right, that's it. <laughs> that's it, man. Wow. Okay. Um. I watched a stupid movie I didn't really like called Cowboys and Aliens. I'd never seen it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That yeah, was disappointing. Look, look dumb. You were like, yeah, Heaven's that's... Gate? No. We're going to watch Heaven's Cowboys Gate? No. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's like bedtime. Oh, it's like bedtime watching. So it's yeah. not like I'm really absorbing it too much. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all bedtime <sighs> watching. There's nothing in between. Uh, I hadn't seen it. So I'm like, do I have to watch this? I didn't really finish it, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> you don't, don't, have, don't bother. You don't have to finish it. Right. I fell asleep and I was like, well, you know. 
I think I've covered the existence of this film and I'm ready to move on. John, what but, something you, you know, recommend? <laughs> is that not a recommendation? <laughs> that is the point of this segment. <laughs> is, are you guys challenging my... <laughs> More really YouTube, that... Michael. I thought that was a... <laughs> More YouTube. More I've YouTube. More cinema sins. I also... Yeah, I did watch some cinema sins. I'll admit that. But I also watched uh, The Great Gatsby. I went back because I remember when The Great Gatsby... Oh. not the, the latest version. Well, the Oz 2012 Lerman. version. Yes, yeah. Boz Luhrmann's Great Gatsby. And when this came out, I was in my first year as a high school teacher. And I remember it being a huge deal because we had like a humanities class, American history slash American literature. So, oh, yeah. and this is when the twenties was like blowing up to like flappers and, you know, all the bars hiding the names on the front of their oh, yeah. facings and shit, you know, the twenties yeah, and the roaring twenties. Yeah. It got a huge rebirth in the early 2010. Yeah. And, uh, this movie sucks, man. Oh, what? I like that movie. I never saw no. it. I'm not going to see it. Baz Luhrmann, I don't like Baz Luhrmann. I hate movies. all of his other movies, but I, I like that one. It yeah. is a visual overload, man. And all a lot of his movies are like that, but this is... An, I, don't like I have it. to give it credit for... I don't know how much of it's real, like practical, actual stuff I'm seeing, or just like, <laughs> you know, airbrush, painted over, effects style. This is so colorful and so lively that it's exhausting. It also has like a... <laughs> A lame ass. It's, it's just kind of lame, man. I don't know. Did you watch any good movies, Mike? Give us a good movie. <laughs> well, I watched Ex Machina again, and I hadn't seen that. Oh, all right. All right. And That's a good movie. Oscar Isaac. I loved it. Ex Machina was fantastic. I saw it in the theater, and it's just as good as the first time I saw it. And it all leaves right. you like totally confused and pissed. And even it, it, it leaves you without any tropes in the end. That's why I love this film. It's like, hey. This sucks. Life sucks. And AI could just be filtering into our society right now. It'd be awesome. We wouldn't know it, but it wouldn't be that awesome, actually. So Ex Machina was great. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else I watched. Uh, I, think, I think that's pretty much it. Nothing else I'd really recommend. Oh, I did watch Annihilation again. Oh, that's so good. I was going to say, yeah. Did you follow it up with this? Uh, yeah. His follow -up? I, I did. And this yeah. is, again, another... No? Oh, you didn't like it? I really liked it. I don't know. I didn't like it. If you could see Eric's face. By the way, <laughs> uh, we're going to be posting our uh, videos on YouTube as well. It's the podcast in video form, so you can see Eric's face he's making right now. This will be the first one that people will be able to actually see, though. Oh, that's right. Yes. We haven't even mentioned that yet. Yeah, we're gonna, we have our podcast on YouTube, but they're only audio. But going forward with our new website we're using, you can see a video of us. You can see Eric doing jazz hands and dancing. Oh my God! I'm I'm Travis. You're a Travis. I yes. I would have put so, on like a three-piece suit. You can't put this out there. <laughs> what? You look great, man. You look like you're in Summer Beach. You jumping around like Michigan. a fucking ape ball for like an hour and a half. I've been like, heaven's oh, 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 gate. <laughs> That's fine. That's okay, great. We have like 20 listeners, anyways. It's not going to matter. Okay. Yeah. Nobody care. cares. Good. See, nobody cares. Uh, all right. So Annihilation I is not as good as Ex Machina, but no. it is interesting it's complex it leaves you completely confused about things trying to find out what's real what's not it does the thing where like it begins oh, with the end favorite. yeah it be well it's not dream sequences well oh, there are a lot of flashbacks and i almost want to get into a discussion about that but i'll table that for now because pointless you know pointless flashbacks i'm not so sure it's definitely not ex, <laughs> ex machina but the uh, the shimmer as it's called yeah is beautiful it's a very 
very cool looking and the way it has like this impact to think about you could go into like a vortex or like a warp world where you don't know what day it is and things are changing <laughs> and you're also connecting and melding into the world that you're inside of is very intriguing very fascinating so i did enjoy that and lastly now this is dumb this is so good <laughs> we like dumb around here I don't even know this came out because I can't keep track of Disney, but I watched the live action version of Cinderella. Oh, oh what? Oh, my God, Michael. I would oh. never do this. And How was it? It was not that great. It was, uh, it was about what you expect. It's like shot for shot of the fucking cartoon version of the movie. The so. I watched. Yeah, the well, no, there is, there is cute mice. That's the thing. There's like a, it's like Dr. Doolittle meets Cinderella. They take it. Too far in my oh, I watched the Lady in the Tramp live action and it was oh. really good. It was Ooh. good. I mean, I liked it a lot. I'll watch okay. it again. Well, this um, Cinderella has it has Richard Madden from uh Game of Thrones. He plays the prince, and I always yeah. like Richard Madden. And uh the Cinderella is played by Lily Lily James. Lily Collins. Lily. No, yes. that's Lily Collins. This is Lily oh. James. Oh Lily Collins is uh, Phil Collins' daughter, right? Oh, is yes. that right? Yeah, this is Lily James. She's blonde, she's she does a good job. She looks like a great Cinderella. Uh you give credit to Kate Blanchett. She plays the wicked stepmother, and she does a killer job. Kate Blanchett doesn't. Kate Blanchett plays vindictive women as well as about as anybody. I think of her in Blue Jasmine and like her bitterness and resentment. She's so good at that. So wow. she's good at everything, Amazing. man. She's, she's a hell of an actor. Oh, she Carol. is a great actor. So. I watched uh, that. That where'd you go burn it at recently? With that Richard Link. Oh, I have that. I gotta watch that. Oh, still, yeah. it's well worth it. I will. Okay. So yeah, uh, a lot of things. I just I don't know why I watched them, but I did. I have to be honest about who I am and what I'm doing, and I'm going to be held <laughs> accountable by you guys and the audience. So thank you for. You <laughs> did watch more movies, buddy. I could have watched Heaven's Gate easily, but I just didn't have the copy yet. I didn't. It, it, uh, it's all fucked up. I need to get oriented and organized. <laughs> but I will get there. I will get there. Thank you, Jesus. So, gentlemen. I think we've come to the end of the show. We're going to wrap it up. And, and so we've come to oh, the you. end of the show. Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> we, I thought you would just keep talking, but instead you stopped to let me sing. So, all right. I really enjoyed it. It was nice. It was a, back to 1992, Gary Lutz's basement. There we <laughs> Shout out to Gary. Right. Uh, Gary, if you listen, email the show. Oh, Gary. <laughs> Protein no. Take a picture of yourself listening to Boys to Men. <laughs> hey, Gary, go to your old house in Heartland. If your parents are there, take a picture of the basement. I want to see it. Take a picture of yourself being Gary Lutz, <laughs> watching Cinderella, and listening to Boys to Men. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, so it's time then. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Next this week's one. choice, Eric Branstrom. It is your selection. The audience can follow along. You can whatever Eric tells us that what he's about to tell us. You can follow along, watch a movie for next week's episode, so you can enjoy the analysis in real time. And by the way, not only will we be posting the videos, but we may start doing. We could live stream these too, so we could have interactions. We don't know if when we'll do that, but we want to let you know that that's on the table, and we're going to be talking about doing stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, exciting. Eric, you have the floor. <laughs> Well, I struggled all week trying to mm. figure out which uh, of these three I was going to do. I think we'll probably eventually end up doing them all. So, you know, after the past couple of weeks, we, we've had some laughs. You know, we got over the controversy of Margot at the wedding and we're ready to move on with some uh, some picks that, uh, you know, 
might uh, bring us a new perspective in terms of uh, cinema. So we're going back to 1999. It's a film I've been wanting to take another look at for, for quite a while now. It's going to give us a chance to talk about uh, a really integral, important, wonderful filmmaker, Sofia Coppola. So, yep, heads up. Strap in, guys. It's the oh, version yes. suicide. Yay! Version suicide. Oh, yep. wow. I'm so happy. I have not seen it since it was new. Yeah. Yes. I we talked about doing this like many episodes ago, Eric, and I remember Travis being like, eh. but now he's got to watch it. Now I have yes. now I have no choice. So, all right. All right. Cool. <laughs> Forcing people to watch movies. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clockwork horns around here. <laughs> <laughs> this is all I love that too. I'm very excited. I haven't watched it in a few oh, years. Oh, oh, not the prom scene. No. I'm a 40-year-old <laughs> oh, man. That's how I feel already. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Virgin Suicide, 1999. Sofia Coppola. It got a lot of buzz, and I can't wait to watch it again. I've seen it many times, but it's been a couple years. So, okay. The movie title. I don't think it's really hiding much, just for the record. <laughs> yeah, trigger warning. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> but it does have a great, great name. Watch it with your parents. Hartman. Josh Send us a Hart- picture yeah, of you parents. watching it with your parents. <laughs> Josh Hartnett's in it, and he plays Trip McNeely. I think. Is that <laughs> Trip? Trip something. It's no, Trip's, Trip McNeely is. Uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, that's uh, uh, can't hardly fucking, wait. But yeah, his name yeah. is Trip. It is Trip something. Okay. He's an. It's another version of a Trip, and I can't remember. Anyways, well, it's a very rich person's name. <laughs> oh, Trip Rex and Trip Fontaine uh, are coming out. I guess. <laughs> Trip Fontaine. Trip Fontaine. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So I'm really yeah. excited for this. Uh, you can follow along, watch this movie over the next seven days, and then you can join us for the show and be like, hey, I watched it too, and I know what they're talking about. And that makes us bond. That'd be lovely. <laughs> yeah, I'm tender. So by the way, check out the show. Uh, you know, Follow us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We would really That would be amazing. Or that would help better, us so much. Yeah, that would be great. But even better, you could just tell a friend. If you know one person that uh, that you think would actually appreciate the show, just post us on their wall or, or tell us or tell them. Or, you know, if you think that, you know, one person that would like the show, just spread the word. We'd love it. Yeah, we're uncensored. So unlike a lot of other podcasts, you know, we we, we tell it like it is. We don't fucking give a shit. If we don't like a movie <laughs> that's universally appraised, we'll be like, this is fucking trash. We don't care. <laughs> Popcorn trash. Yeah, we should have called the show Popcorn Trash, by the way, but you know, maybe for <laughs> we another We talked day. about it, didn't we? I think we talked yeah, about it. Yeah, we did do that. So yeah, uh, we would love to get your support. And it's not because we're desperate people who crave attention. We generally love wow. film. We really enjoy each other's company. And our conversations are unique and authentic. It's fun for us. And the more connection we get, the better off we are as nope. a show. It's just We can just learn from more people because we can get other movie experiences. There's so <laughs> many different ways to see so many different films. So thank you. For listening already and travis is right share it with a friend share it with a family member tell your aunt about it teach your grandfather <laughs> how to do podcasts this would be a Absolutely. great show to start him off at but anyways thank you for listening <laughs> it's been a pleasure first. we love love doing the show for you in next week's version suicide so join us then and we'll have another segment and we will talk about film yeah that's Thanks. right chicky huts done with fish ah.